This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Tanner Olson, and this is episode 36 of Walk a Little Slower, a podcast where I share a little hope, a little love, and a little bit of what I've been learning. This is a podcast where you are invited to slow down, to lean in, to hold fast, and to eventually keep going. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of the Walk a Little Slower podcast. Two things before we get into it today. Make sure to leave a rating and review for the podcast. I know, I know I say this every week, and I know that some of you are holding out, but maybe, just maybe, this is the week that you take a minute to leave a rating, to leave a review, like this one. This one's on Apple Podcasts. It says this, such a good podcast to calm down and recenter when life gets crazy. That's a great review, a wonderful review. You could, I don't know, maybe you could share something like that when you leave a rating and a review. It's not that hard, so go ahead do so. Second thing is this. It has been awesome to have so many guests on the podcast recently, and I'd love to know who you want to hear on the podcast. So send me a message with with guest ideas. Maybe it's an author or a musician or just someone you really respect, a a teacher, a pastor, whatever. Send me a message written to speak at gmail.com or send me a message on Instagram or, or Twitter. I'll see it there as well. All right. Well, this week's episode is a conversation with pastor and author Andrew R. Jones. Andrew serves as the pastor of First Lutheran Church in Concord, California. And we talk a little bit about California just as the episode begins. Andrew is the author of the upcoming book, 10 Questions to Ask Every Time You Read the Bible. It's a book that proposes 10 questions that will help you navigate God's word with clarity and confidence. And I had the opportunity to read through this book, and I gotta say, It's not only helpful, but it's quite enjoyable. Andrew is a fantastic writer and teacher, and so I'm excited to share this conversation with you. And after you listen, make sure to check out the show notes to find links to his book, 10 Questions to Ask Every Time You Read the Bible. All right, here's my conversation with Andrew R. Jones. But thanks again for for doing this. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited that we finally get to actually meet a little bit. Um, yeah, I feel like we keep missing each other. So yeah, yeah. And I just never get out. I never get out to California. Um, I know I've started doing stuff with like Blake Flatley, and he's a California mm-hmm. guy. And so hopefully I'm like, hey man, we should go out there. Like winter is probably a really great time for us to do stuff out there. Uh, yeah, I don't want to be here. And he's SoCal and I'm NorCal, which is like totally different worlds. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you, did you, did you tweet about that the other day? Yes. I think, was it you or maybe it was somebody else that was talking about like the importance of like knowing places in the Bible, like their location. Oh. Yeah. And like anytime there's a, um, a earthquake in California. Yeah. That's in my book. Hate, yeah. 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 That's what it is. Yeah. yeah okay. Mm-hmm. I knew yeah. it was familiar, but it is like, mm-hmm. so when someone's like, oh, I'm in California, my first thought, and this, I think this has to be a lot of people's thought is like, oh, you're like, you're right on the beach. Cause I grew up in the era of, and this is going to show 
a little too much about myself, but Laguna Beach. Do you remember Laguna oh. Beach on MTV? I mean, I do not remember it, but I know what you're talking about. You know, but that's my first thought. So it's yeah. like Laguna Beach, the OC. Did you ever watch the yes. OC? Yes, oh, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. And and that is, you know, people's thought when they like when I heard that we were coming to California, that was my thought, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I thought it would, the ocean would be uh, warm and it would be really sunny, and then you go to San Francisco. Like we got here in August and like the first time we went to San Francisco in August, it was like 50 degrees and it was freezing. And, you know, you get this wake up call that this is not Hollywood, LA beach. Like this is a different place. Um, yeah. So, but let's be fair. I am a NorCal person, not a SoCal person. <laughs> I prefer the woods and the mountains in Yosemite to all the stuff in Southern California. But And that's what you get where you're at. Yes. Yeah. So, so what is, what is life like for you out in Northern California? Life in Northern California. Um, we do a lot of hiking. You know, the comment that my wife made was that she thought she would become a more of a beach Californian, but she very quickly became a mountain Californian. Mm -hmm. Uh, As I'm sitting in her office right now, I'm looking out at Mount Diablo, which is uh, like the second most prominent mountain in the entire world like you can see into more than half of the counties in california from that spot and it's not very high like it's only it's less than four thousand feet Mm -hmm. um and so we spend a lot of time in that state park hiking up that mountain um we're we're like an hour from everything we're an hour from san francisco we're an hour from napa you know we're we're an hour from all sorts of things and so we we spend a lot of time like when people come visit us, we, we take them to wine country, we take them to cheese country, we take them to the coast, uh, we take them to Chinatown in San Francisco. Like there's just all sorts of fun things to do that are close. Um, and so, yeah, we, we spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, we spend a lot like we've really gotten into hiking and backpacking. And so we're planning all sorts of new adventures Uh in the yeah. coming months and years uh, as we spend time here so yeah that's all awesome. so you guys have, must have visitors like all the time it's kind of funny because like we were out here about 18 months before the pandemic hit and it felt like mm-hmm. we had visitors not every month but almost every month and then no visitors and now it's starting to pick back up again um and so yeah it's it's fun um <laughs> Would you and, say, I mean, you, know, you, you have wine country, you have cheese country, you're close yeah. to like San Francisco and Chinatown and there's hiking. Like that's, that's like my, like, that's what I want to do all the time. Like that's, yeah, it's, great. it's really difficult to get work done sometimes. Um, I bet. But yeah. And you know, my, my wife and I, we don't have kids and we just got a cat about six months ago. Okay. And so we've been spending a lot of time with Buford, the cat. Great name. He's up. He's up over here. Um, yeah, he's he's like the crabbiest cat in the world, and he's so great. Yeah. On par, Love on him. par for cats. And yeah. you, so you're like working in the shadow of Mount Diablo as a pastor, which is yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, my my circuit is called the Diablo Circuit. So really, you know, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's that's really cool. Um, well. I mean, I want to have you on the podcast for a lot of reasons, but mostly just talk about your new book, 10 Questions to Ask Every Time You Read the Bible, which is a great title for a book. I feel like I know exactly what I'm getting into just by reading that title. 
what like what made you want to write this particular book? Yeah, so as I was graduating from the seminary, one of my professors had written this um, blog post that was sort of talking about the recent graduates. And one of the things that he said in there was that a lot of recent graduates had been really strong on doctrine, but kind of weak on books of the Bible. And he was, you know, an Old Testament prof and really cared about the Bible. You know, it's a good thing for him to do. Um, <laughs> but as I read through that article, like just some of the things he said, I was really struck by how he was sort of describing me and that wasn't good. You know, I didn't want to be weak on books of the Bible. I, I didn't want that to describe me. And so I really just started trying to figure out how to make myself more biblically fluent. And as I did that, I, I, I found different things that were helpful. I shared some of them with uh, local pastors. I shared some of them at the Best Practices Conference out here in Phoenix. And... <clears throat> I just kept digging and digging and digging. And eventually I just asked one of my contacts at CPH, like, so I've got a few book ideas. Who would I talk to about those? And they connected me with the right person. And I, I pitched three different ideas, not knowing if any of them would be useful to them or not, but this is the one they latched onto. And so I was just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write this. Um, and so really it just came out of a desire to improve my own knowledge of the scriptures and, and, and knowledge of, of God and just being more curious about who he is and how he has revealed himself on the pages of the scriptures. So it came mostly just out of a personal drive and I found it was so helpful that I just kind of wanted to share what I discovered. I think that's where a lot of the the great books kind of come from is, is somebody is, is curious about something or, or wants to learn more about it. So they're going to dive head first into it. And so you're diving head first into, well, into the scriptures, which is quite a lot. It's, it's, yeah. it's a lot. I mean, it's not like, that, it's not like a, it wasn't like a little task, you know, it was like, this is a, this is a really big thing, but you're going into it with like all of these wonderings and questions and layers with the hopes of, of bringing like mining out some sort of gold to give to other people. Right. Yeah. And that's sort of like the task of a pastor. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's one, uh, one of the best homiletics, uh, people out there, Thomas Long talks about like the job of a preacher is to be sent to the scriptures and to come back with a word from the Lord every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the task. And so, that's sort of what this was in a way it was just on a bigger scope of mm -hmm. I, I'm going to go and I'm going to try to figure out and, and be curious about what's, what are the best questions to ask so that I am driven deeper into the scriptures and driven deeper into my relationship with the Lord through just this curiosity and this wonder and these, this, that the process of asking questions. And so, yeah, that it is a big thing. And I think one of the, the good things about it, though, is like since the scriptures are so big and vast and, 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 you know, there's so much there. You can keep finding things and like questions are a great way to get at that, I think, because. 
you know, one of the, the comments that I keep getting from people who have already read the book is that it's good for people who haven't read the Bible and it's good for people who have read it lots of times. And I think that's just because it's about asking questions. It's just about being curious and discovering more and more. And it's not like you're going to run out of things to find, right? Like it's the scriptures. It's yeah. God. There's so much there that you can keep mining and keep digging and you'll keep finding things. It's never going to end. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a, a good way to look at it. And maybe I haven't thought about this before, but, you know, when we begin to read, when we, we sit down with the scriptures, it's to, to be curious and to also be confident. Right. I think a lot of times, like I sit down, um, this is a confession pastor, but I sit down to read the Bible and it's almost as if like, I just got to do it. I just got to, you know, check it off. I just have to read it today. Just have to read something because yeah. Twitter told me that I, I feel better throughout the day if I read the, you know, which is mm-hmm. which is very much true. But oftentimes I forget that, that when I sit down to read the scriptures, that I can be curious, that I can also be confident. And then I can also take my time as I go through expecting and waiting for something to, to, to jump out at me. Kind of like you said, like when you like you are sent into the word of God to pull something back out for the people of God, which sounds like a very incredible job and also very exhausting. (laughs) It's, it's sort of high pressure. Yeah, it can be. Um, But I think what you said though, about like one of the problems that we have right now with, with the scriptures and just the people of God is that they, they feel exactly what you're saying. They feel this pressure to read the scriptures, like it's this burden. And one of the things that I'm trying to to bring across, not only in this book, but just in, in my larger ministry, is helping people to see that the scriptures aren't a burden. They're a gift. Yes, there, there is this discipline to reading the scriptures. But it is a pure gift that God would choose to reveal himself to us at all and that he does so in the person of Jesus and he does so in these words on the pages of the scripture through these stories through these characters through his actions throughout history and so it's it's trying to get you know other pastors other church workers to not lay that burden on their people mm. but to invite them into this sense of wonder and, and I think one of the ways that that I encourage pastors and other church workers to do this is to simply show people like that you love the scriptures, that you are curious about them, that that you discover things all the time when you read them and show them through that sense of sort of childlike wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 thing I keep like trying to get people to to think about is reading the scriptures is like a kid watching their favorite Disney movie, right? They're going to watch it 50 times every year. Like they're just going to keep watching it again and again and again and again. They're never going to stop. And that's what the scriptures are like for us. There's no end to the enjoyment we can get out of them. Uh, we want to approach them in this way that's that's just filled with awe and love and enjoyment. And the more you you feel that sort of love and awe and enjoyment, the deeper you're going to dive and the more often you're going to get into it uh, because there isn't a burden to watch it. You know, no kid feels a burden like, oh, I've got to watch 
the fox and the hound today, or, oh, I got to watch Moana again. They don't feel that. They just want to do it. Uh, and so getting people to that place of uh, just being so enamored with, with God's word that they want to dive back in. Well, with that brilliant and elegant statement, I only have one question after that. What was your favorite Disney movie as a kid? <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. I am a total Winnie the Pooh guy. I love that. Big time. What's awesome. yours? The Lion King. What is King. yours, Dan? You're I'm a Lion King guy, yeah. Big cat guy. Big cat guy. So <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. You know. Yeah, I don't know if there's like a, maybe there is a wrong answer, but I, I feel like those are pretty acceptable. Those will pass. Yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer to that question. Someone listening is like, oh, there definitely is a wrong answer to that question. But I'm going to be thinking about that. I might have something for you at the end. Okay, I got to ask you, have you have you always wanted to to be an author? This is a, an interesting question because I my wife was saying this to me the other day that I, I've been a writer for a lot longer than I've been a pastor. Okay. Writing was something that was a part of my life from, you know, long before Mary. So I, I, I always think of myself as a writer before I think of myself as a pastor, even though I spend a lot more time being a pastor and that's you know, how I earn my living. Um, being a writer is just much more of who I am as a person. It's something that's sort of transcended the different, uh, the different jobs I've had, the different careers I've taken, the different callings God has put on my life. And so, you know, wherever God leads me in the future, you know, I maybe won't be a pastor for the rest of my life. I have no idea, but I know I will be a writer. Um, and so this is, you know, this is my first book. This is my first like published thing of this length. But, you know, the reality is I've written things that are much longer. You know, I've written novels that are terrible and will never see the light of day. Um, but yeah, I, it's interesting. Like, the way you asked that, did I want to be an author? Well, I just, I've been one for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of an interesting question. This is just my debut book, I, you know, yeah. 20 years later. So, yeah. Well, and I think that's a perfect answer because a lot of times I'll get the question like, hey, I'm an aspiring writer or author. Mm -hmm. Like I'm an aspiring this, I'm an aspiring that. And it's like, no, it's like either you, you are one or, or like just call yourself a writer. Right. And so for you, like yeah. I have been an author, but this is my first book. And I think that's a, yeah. I think a lot of people have to like they want to measure themselves up to something physical or some sort of number or something like that. But like it is it is who you are, not what the world says that you are. Right. And, you know, I've had this conversation with people about writing, about running, like, you know, what is a writer? It's a person who writes. Are you writing? Well, you're a writer. You know, what's a runner? It's, it's a person who runs. You don't have to be fast or be able to run so far this is if you run you're a runner mm -hmm. don't call yourself anything else yeah so i think that th that's something that's just a piece of my identity yeah i'm going to be writing for the rest of my life and i actually started this is kind of funny to me but like the first things i wrote like that i was like i'm gonna write stuff was actually like hymns i, I began in the realm of poetry and you know sort of endeavored through you know, sort of shorter form, nonfiction, into fiction. And the fact that my first book is like long form nonfiction is kind of strange because I've done so many other different things. Um, but yeah, so I still like 
write a lot of hymn texts and things like that uh, for my congregation and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, that's cool. I, I got into writing because I, I wanted to write a memoir and stories mm. and all the, all the things that I have released are four books of poetry and prayers. And so it's, it's, I feel the same way too. Like every time I release a book, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm excited about this, but I didn't like, you didn't, you just didn't see this, this one coming. Um, so you're working on a memoir book right now though, aren't you? I am. I am. How's that going? It is, it's like, uh, it's like therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's yeah. Uh, there's a lot that like comes, comes up at, like, as you, as you look back, it, it, you know, a little bit kind of what we we're talking about earlier. Like I had to look back at my life, dive into it and try to find something to pull out. And a lot of times, yeah. sometimes it's things that I just, I, I don't necessarily want to write about or want to share, but I do think that it's like, it's important. Like, you know, so when I talk about like, I wanted to be a writer, like I wanted to be a writer because I read books written by like Donald Miller and mm-hmm. Lamont, like these incredible Ooh. writers who just have a way yeah. with like, I'm going to look back, find something messy and broken, but I'm going to present it to you in a way that's help going to help you apply that to your life and see that, you know, good things are still happening and, and, and beautiful things are still real. And so I'm, I'm hoping to do that with, um, with the, with the memoir, but it is a, it is a fun and exhausting process just right now. And then one day when people hold it in their hands, they're going to be able to come up to me and be like, I know you. And I'd be like, you yeah. do like you actually, you actually do. You know, Anne Lamont lives in NorCal. She lives in the Bay area and I keep seeing things advertising for like going to like writing seminars with Anne Lamont. And I'm like, mm, I want to do that more money than I can spend at this moment. <laughs> but, you know, so if you ever, if you ever want to come out here, maybe come for something like that because that- would I would great. love to do that. Uh, Wine, but, cheese, and Anne Lamont. Yes, please. Oh, it's like a book title right there. <laughs> um, no, the the memoir thing is interesting because I've, I've read a lot of memoirs and it is one of those like mediums that's just really beautiful when it's when it's well done. And Anne Lamont's got like mm-hmm. some of my favorites. Uh, Traveling Mercies like changed my life. It was such a good book. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other people that I've seen write memoirs and they're just like, they're like broken by the process. Like it's Mm -hmm. so hard for them because they drag up all this stuff, like you say. And it's, it's such a hard medium to just bear your soul to the world in this way. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how much stuff you're going to include from your life. Like, but it feels like sometimes you, you share things in that form or you could, that you you maybe haven't told some of your closest friends and it's it's challenging right mm-hmm. to to think about that and uh yeah with with 10 questions there was definitely like there's a couple pieces of of my personal life that i shared in there that i had to be like or talk to my wife and be like all right we probably need to talk about this more publicly <laughs> yeah before this book comes out mm-hmm. um so people aren't like super shocked by every, by some of these things not that there's anything super shocking but yeah, you know, you want to but honor the, people's relationship with you. I, yeah, I, I, I get that too. And there've been a couple of times where I've been writing the book and we're not talking about my book, but we'll get to you in a second. But there've been times when I've been, I've been working on it and I, I'll have to like message people or send and be like, Hey, do you remember this? You know, mm-hmm. either like, do you remember that? Like, okay, I want to put that in the book if that's okay. Or, mm-hmm. Hey, I, I'm sorry for, you know, 
for how this happened, or I thought about you while I was writing this. And Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of things that keep coming up. And um, I think Brene Brown talks about how like she does not write or share things that she has not yet worked through behind, Mm. behind the scenes. Like, and so there's a lot of things that I, I'm like the, the process of writing this book is taking a little bit longer because there are things that I need to work through on my sure. own or in my own little circle before I can be like, and here's this everyone, you know? Um, but I just, I, I kind of think about that as, as I'm writing and as I'm writing, I'm also seeing, and I think this is how um, artists and creators should see their work as like, this is going to be a gift to somebody. I don't want this to be like a, a burden or, or, or noise. I want this mm-hmm. to be a gift to somebody so that when they read it, they can either nod their head along and say, you know, that C.S. Lewis quote, like, you know, me too. Uh, like mm-hmm. this person understands it, this person gets it. Um, or they just like, they, like it's, it's not a hindrance for them, but it helps them to either take that next step that they need to take or to wrestle with the things that they need to wrestle with. Um, and so that's kind of how I, I view this book, but we're not talking about my book, not yet. Maybe in the future, but let's talk no about it's all good. let's <laughs> let's talk about ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. Um, first of all, like how many questions did you have to begin? Like, how many did you have to like dwindle it down from? Honestly, the ten that I used just sort of were the ten that were first to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, there might have been like one or two others that I was like, no, that's not working. Um, yeah, but really I I didn't have a lot more that I really wanted to use. These 10 sort of stuck out to me as the ones that had been most helpful to me and particularly the ones that people could answer on their own, that they wouldn't have to like go buy a commentary or go buy a study Bible to try to answer, but that these questions are answerable just by looking in the scriptures or maybe like quick internet search, um, so they're not complicated. So I think that's part of it. Part of why I think these 10 were chosen from my perspective is they're simple. And I wanted this book to be super approachable and s- simple for uh, not only people who've read the Bible many times, but people who are just sort of getting into it and don't, don't have a lot of confidence with it, aren't sure what to make of it, mm-hmm. um, feel like it's a struggle. Well, ask this question, go find the answer, and you'll be able to find it. It won't be that hard. Um, I think people answering a question and having an answer, whether it's you know, right or wrong answer, like just an answer, there is no right or wrong answer, helps them with their confidence, right? I, I find this in, in my congregation, just asking questions in Bible study. I have to at least ask a few questions where... There's no right or wrong answer. It's just, what do you, what do you think about this, you know, sort of stuff. And it allows them to speak without the fear of being wrong. And when it comes to the Bible, people are afraid of being wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. and and trying to help them see it's okay. We're doing this together. we're not worried about right and wrong answers all the time. We're yes. worried about how this is touching your life and touching your yeah. story. I think that's really good. I, I can remember being in school and anytime the teacher would ask a question, I always wanted to give the answer, 
but I was always afraid of getting the answer wrong. And I think that's like, yeah. you know, that's, I think that's a very human thing of not wanting to get something wrong or not wanting to be wrong, at least, at least publicly. But again, like, you know, the questions that you offer, they're, they're extremely helpful. They're not these, these questions that are a stumbling block. They're more so of an invitation, like, like we were saying, like, you know, to go a little bit deeper. And so I just want to look at three questions. Not gonna, We're not going to give all 10. You have to buy the book and you should buy the book. But I want to look at three questions and kind of make a little, some, some connections there. And so uh, one of the questions that you offer is, is where are we? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So where are, where are we is just a simple geography question. Um, as you're reading the scriptures, one of the biggest uh, roadblocks for a lot of people is that they are reading through places that they they don't know where they are and they don't really want to they don't bother looking them up and they're hard to pronounce sometimes and so asking where are we is just a, a simple way to you know go find a map find the city the town the country the whatever that where this is taking place see what's around it and if there's like movement in the story, see how far away things are from each other. And it may open your eyes to discover uh, some depth to, to what is happening in the story. Um, I'll, I'll give you one example that's not in the book because I think it's fascinating. Um, in the Joseph story in Genesis, the Joseph's brothers are shepherding their flocks in this place called Shechem. And then Joseph goes to find them and they're not in Shechem. And someone's like, oh yeah, they went down to Dothan. And so Joseph goes down to Dothan. Well, if you're reading the Bible, Shechem to Dothan doesn't mean anything to you. You don't know where either of those places are, right? But if you look it up on a map, a good map at least, um, <laughs> you'll find they're not that far apart, but Dothan is on like a major international trade route and Shechem is not. And so if you think about what happens in the rest of the Joseph story, Joseph is sold by his brothers into slavery to Midianite traders who are coming down from Midian on the international trade route going down to Egypt. If they stayed in Shechem, this story doesn't happen. Like the entire course of the Bible is off if this doesn't happen, God's movement of, of Joseph's brothers from Shechem to Dothan changes the entire story. And you don't pick that up unless you look at a map and, and see some of these things happening. Uh, a simpler story that I do put in the book is, you know, when, when Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount and he tells people, uh, you know, if you're if you're offering your gift at the altar and you, you're like, oh, I've got a problem with my brother. I better go reconcile with my brother. Leave your gift at the altar. Go be reconciled. Then come back and offer your gift. Well, Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, like on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And you offer your gift at the altar in Jerusalem. Those aren't close. Like it's like 80 miles apart. And so Jesus is literally telling you, you, you should travel 160 miles on foot in order to be reconciled. That's how much he cares about forgiveness and reconciliation with, with people that you have problems with. But if you don't look that up, if you don't think about that, if you don't ask, where are we, you're going to miss the effect of just the depth of how much Jesus cares about this. This isn't just, you know, 
finding someone who's right next to you right now and not asking for forgiveness, but it's going the extra mile, quite literally, um, to be forgiven and forgive others. What I, what I like about that question too, is it, is it's this invitation to put yourself on the story as well. Right. And so it's like, look around, yeah. see what's happening. Like, okay, you can kind of get a sense for the yeah. lay of the land and then where everything else is, is around you. And usually when I read the Bible, I'm like, oh, that, oh, that's just a dusty place. Like every time I read the Bible, it's like every, except for like the very like Genesis, everything else is just dust to me. Everything is and dusty, which not far it, off. It kind of, it might be more rocky than dusty if you, if you yeah. go. But uh, I think that's the thing, though, is if, if, if anyone ever gets a chance to travel to Israel or Palestine or some of the other places that biblical events occur, go do it. Because it, it really helps you realize that, like, these are real people in a real place that this is really happening to. Mm-hmm. And it does help you sort of put yourself in the story and remind you that, that God acts in, in time and space in the scriptures and in your life. Um, and all right, I have a question for you, Tanner, because this is something I've been mulling, but like, how does place affect your, or your writing? Like, oh, it changes everything. It absolutely oh, changes. It changes more. It changes everything that I'm, I'm about to write, how I'm going to write, how I approach writing like where I am writing, I mean, it, it, it just, so like last, last week, I, I, it was, uh, it was a Friday and I go to a coffee shop and it's, it was like 75 degrees outside and I'm sitting outside and it's quiet and it's crisp and everything just felt like heaven. And I had nothing to write about. And then I <laughs> sat down and I had everything to write about. Right now. I also spent several years in Northern Wisconsin in the winter. Mm-hmm. That changed everything. I mean, everything I wrote went from writing about heaven to trying to figure out how to get out of hell. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. that was just kind of that. So that's that's my my answer. Yeah, yeah I'm from Minnesota, so I know what the cold is. You know, mm-hmm. um, but that's interesting. Yeah, I find I find like just if if I'm sitting in one spot and I'm writing and it's like not working just, I just move. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't even have to be far. Sometimes like I'm at the kitchen table and I'll just switch chairs. Like it doesn't have to be big, but that will Mm -hmm. like just get my mind to, Mm -hmm. to switch into some, I don't know, new material, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, in the same way, like I'll do the same thing. I'm I'm sitting in my office as we record this, but there are, there are days where I just walk right down the hall. It's not a very long hall. And I sit Mm -hmm. at the kitchen table and that's it's just it's the shift, the change that I need mm-hmm. so that I can continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, place has more effect on people than I think they realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay, it, that's good. Um, all right, my next question, and this is this was my favorite question because, well, you'll see. What am I feeling? And as a poet, oh like, yeah, as as a poet, as a as a as a human being who feels perhaps too much, I I, I like this question, and and. I, I like, I also like this question because, you know, you and I, we are in, in the Lutheran church. We don't talk about feelings. We don't talk about feelings enough. And I think that this is one of those things where it's helpful. This is a really great question to, to ask. Well, all these questions are really great to ask, even when you're not reading the Bible, right? You're sitting yeah. there like, okay, how, like, okay, how, what am I feeling right now? And so why, why did this question 
make it into the book? Yeah, it was really one of it was the only question I was afraid wouldn't make it like it would get edited out. Yes, yeah. because <laughs> you're right. It is. It's we're, we're in a tradition that, you know, came came out of. Um, I don't know, we're, we're in a tradition where people took their feelings too far and we push back against some of those people, other mm -hmm. traditions. And so sometimes I think Lutherans are just too afraid of emotions and talking about feelings and it, it's been to our detriment. And so one of the things that I wanted to do is show like, because uh, this is a question I need to ask myself in everyday life because I'm not as acquainted with my emotions as I should be. Uh, I, I, I go through life a little too numb most of the time. And so for me, this was an important question um, personally. But as you're reading the scriptures, you know, you, you cannot get around how powerful the emotions are in some of these stories and in some of the Psalms and other poetry that are there. Like so much of the scriptures is made up of poetry and poetry is meant to evoke emotions. And if you try to read poetry like a robot, you're just, you're doing it wrong. And I really wanted to draw people into the importance of our emotions, because if we don't think about them, we can't bring them to God. If we don't know what we're feeling, we can't be honest with the Lord in, in our prayer life. And for me, that, that's sort of how I try to structure that particular question is, you know, read this story, ask yourself what you're feeling. Okay, take all of that, whatever it is, if it's joy or just pain and suffering and sorrow and, and, and write a prayer about that. Like bring that emotional into, into a prayer and bring that to the Lord's feet because he can handle that no matter what emotion you're feeling. And, you know, as I was writing the book and that chapter in particular and reading through some of the Psalms that were very, you know, very emotive, very evocative, I just was struck by how often the, the poets of the scriptures um, just bring this raw reality to God. And they're just like, God, what are you doing? How yep. dare you? And yet they can be that bold and that confident and, and bringing this to God, this anger, not only sadness, but just pure rage sometimes. And yet they're always this, they're always turning towards trusting the Lord after bringing that strong emotion. And I think one of the things that I'm trying to like wrap my head around is like, and, and proclaim to people is it takes an act of faith to yell at God. It really does. It takes an act of faith to, to hold him accountable for the garbage that's going on because it's ultimately his responsibility. This is his world. Hold him to that. You know, it, it, he can take it. He can take responsibility because it's his world. And he's not afraid to listen to you when you're upset or sad or angry. He can take it all. Uh, and so, yeah, for me, this was probably, there's a lot of important questions in this book, but it was definitely the question that I think I've got the best feedback about. I'll, I'll say that so far. That's good.
And if you also struggle with emotions, you can always Google the feelings wheel or the emotions wheel, which is this colorful printout. And you can kind of say, oh, I'm feeling sad or bad or happy or angry or fearful. And you can just kind of pinpoint how you're feeling. And that's all, honestly, it's been helpful for me as I've, you know, as I navigate life, because I think it is a very important question to ask, especially, you know, as we were going through a pandemic and then coming out of a pandemic. And then I am, I turned 33 a few months ago. And for some reason that was a big thing for me. And so you kind of just kind of have to be like, okay, well, how am I, how am I feeling? Okay. I have another question for you, please. I was listening to your, uh, your podcast with flame the mm-hmm. other day and you two were talking about how like after shows or online people will, will like talk to you, message you share like really powerful, yes. uh, emotional things with you. And I was wondering just why do you think that happens to, I, to you as a poet or to, to flame as a musician? I, I know it's because if you are honest with somebody, if you are vulnerable with somebody, they are more likely to be honest and vulnerable with you as well. I also know that I do not pose a, as a threat to really any human being. <laughs> so the way that my face holds itself most of the time usually says, tell me what you want to tell me. I'm mm. not going to tell you that you are wrong. I'm not going to tell you how to fix it. Mm. I I am, I know that I am somebody who can help you hold something. I can help you carry something, but I know that I cannot necessarily help you fix it. And most times mm. people don't want me to help fix anything. They just want me to help hold something that really, that is broken or that is close to them. They just want someone to hold it with them just for a little bit before they go. Also, I'm a stranger to them. So I'm not, I was, again, I'm not really a threat. Yeah, that's so interesting. Like, one of the quotes I think about a lot is uh, this guy, Richard Rorty talks about how like when people are suffering, they lose their language mm-hmm. and it's up to, it's up to poets essentially to, to sort of name the suffering for them. And I think that's, that's like one of the reasons why poetry is so powerful. It's one of the reasons why music is so powerful is because I think it it names something that other people are experiencing and can identify with in that sort of space where they they, they don't know how to even talk about what they what they're going mm-hmm. through, but someone has just named it and nailed it. Like, all right, Taylor Swift just put out a new album, <laughs> and she's really good at this, right? And there's there's one song on one of the bonus tracks that people have been um, people have been talking about because they're identifying with this song as a song that really speaks to the suffering of miscarriage. And it's a really beautiful song. It's really powerful. Uh, It's called uh, bigger than the whole sky. And, and I think that's, that's part of the reason why it's so important to, to have poets, to have music, uh, to have, people writing these things and sharing their experiences because it does allow us to ID with things and it allows us to, I, I like how you put that, like have someone hold this with us just for a little bit together um, as we, as we journey through life together. That's beautiful. 
Well, not to spoil it, but Taylor Swift will be on the podcast next week. Um, oh, man. I guess she's going to have a tough time following me, you know. <laughs> you know what? I would disagree. Yeah, right. Uh, for any of those who actually think that Taylor Swift's going to be on this podcast next week, you have been fooled. She will not be. Uh, Shucks. All right. <laughs> last last question that i that i would like for us to kind of talk about one that you offer in the book is is where have i heard this before um and and i think and this comes up a lot in perhaps in your preaching and it comes up in my writing as well is is this whole idea of looking back is looking Mm -hmm. back and saying okay well this is what has happened this is what i know to be true can i remember that here and now why why did we why did you put this question in, in the book yeah, this question is really a, um, it's one that I think helps people build their their fluency with the scriptures and their their fluency just with who God is, uh, because God, you know, has a way of repeating himself. Uh, he does things again and again and again, uh, because he is, he is faithful and he brings about things in a certain way. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of connectivity between the scriptures. And so as you read the scriptures, you may be reminded of some other story in the scriptures. And that's that's good. Think about what that might be. Think about the parallels that might be there, why they might be there. Um, you know, there's a lot of connections between uh, Old Testament prophetic material and things that happen with Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of connection between some of the New Testament letters that, that Paul or John or Peter write and things that happen in, in the Gospels, things that happen in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so as you build those connections, you just sort of see that that God is telling like one big story, one grand narrative, and there are repeated themes. There are repeated things that that, that occur again and again, and it as you see those things, I think you get more of an appreciation for God as this, this great storyteller, um, that he brings all these things about and he connects them in these beautiful ways. Um, and I just find that fascinating. Uh, but the other thing that I think this, this helps with too, is it's not just the scriptures that I want people to ask this question about, but like, where have I heard this before? So, I'm reading the scriptures and then I, I, I read through something and I'm like, oh, that that reminds me of this thing that happened in Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or in this Taylor Swift song, you know, whatever it happens to be. And once you you draw those parallels and you go and you know, you go and watch that scene or you go and listen to that song. Now you've made a connection that when you when you watch that thing again when you watch that scene you might be reminded of the scriptures again and so it's just it's just the way that creativity works is is connecting things that uh, connecting things that are related in some way and the more you do that i think the more appreciation you gain for for who god is and what he's up to in the scriptures i think you've given us well a lot um but I think one of the things that you're kind of teaching me and showing me is, you know, when we approach the scriptures, we can just, we can approach them um, as always with humility and with curiosity. And we can, we can really expect for our hands to be full when we, when we walk away from where we're, where we're sitting. Um, so I can't say enough 
good things about this book. I, I really enjoy it. I really love it. These questions are extremely helpful. And so I, I'm encouraging, encourage everyone to go pick up the book. Um, I think it will be really helpful for you as you sit down with the scriptures and as you, as you learn more. Um, hey, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast, man. It means a lot. It's my honor, Tanner. Thanks for having me. Where can, uh, where can people connect with you online? Oh, you know, all sorts of places. Um, Twitter is probably the place I'm most active. Uh, you can find me at C3PO Jones. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, other places. Uh, I have a Patreon if you want some liturgies and Bible studies and sermon helps and, and hymn texts and things like that. Um, yeah, that, that's mostly the place. If you want to find the book, uh, you can find it on Amazon, 10 questions asked every time you read the Bible or cph.org slash 10 questions. And it, it comes out on November the 10th. So it'll be here. I don't know when you're going to release this, but it'll probably this, be here this, real fast. Yeah, real fast. <laughs> you can, you can pre-order it right now, or you can wait a couple of days and then just get it. But it's a great book. Uh, I hope that you're proud of it. I'm proud of you for writing it. Um, and thanks for being on the podcast. And I look forward to having you on again in the future. Well, thanks again to Andrew Jones for being on this week's episode of the Walk a Little Slower podcast. Make sure to check out those show notes to order your copy of his new book. And as always, you can find me online at writtentospeak.com or on Instagram at writtentospeak. And if you'd like to support this podcast in my ministry, go ahead and visit patreon.com slash writtentospeak to become a patron. Your monthly donations, they allow me to spread hope and to announce love through written and spoken word, just like this podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Peace.